0: Welcome back to a very special episode of Ladies First. I'm Corey Taylor is with me, and we are really excited today because Wendy's back! Yay! <laughs> so, last month, uh, if you listened to our toxic, what does Taylor call it? Toxic fandom fuckery episode, uh, <laughs> to put it <laughs> bluntly. We talked about how we were going to be having some episodes in 2021 about kind of safe places to be able to have discussions to have con uh constructive conversations and kind of like figure and feel things out about topics that are important to us um things that we want to try to build but we maybe don't know how to build so we've been you know let's bring people on and we know wendy knows how to organize and build and facilitate communities so we're like wendy would you please come back and help educate us? And she graciously agreed. So here we are.
1: I was so excited to hear that that I had a chance to come back, first of all, and also that you're talking about a topic that's a passion of mine. So yay, bring it on.
0: So obviously, part of this is like we're going to have to rebuild some things we just lost permanently because of COVID. Right. There are physical meet spaces that had to close permanently. So part of this is we're going to... A, have to figure out how we're going to be safely community building, both, you know, mental and emotional, but also physically, because we're still in a pandemic. But also, we have to rebuild our spaces, not just because of COVID, but also, this is something we've talked about in previous episodes that Wendy's been on, of we've lost a lot of meat spaces, physical meat spaces. So what we were wanting to talk about is how can we build these spaces back, build them back safely. And then, because a lot of us, this is going to be something new we're undertaking. We wanted to get, you know, Wendy, she's got experience with this, you know, this, she's done this. She knows how do I maybe handle sparking personalities? How would I advise you handling conflict or how would I advise All sorts of things. So this is kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, Taylor,
2: did you want to kind of kick us off? Um, I was just going to mention a good example that I learned about in a podcast. So Gravy Podcast is a really fun podcast by the Southern Foodways Alliance that talks about food and social justice. And in one of their podcast episodes from a few years back called Hostesses of the Movement, It was all about this reporter, this journalist researching the women who were the backbone of the civil rights movement because they opened their homes to activists and to thought leaders like MLK and, you know, gave them shelter, gave them food primarily. Like, just feeding the young people, making sure you're keeping people fed and, like, well taken care of goes a long way for giving people the energy to go out and do progressive of stuff and also it's a great way to connect with people like if you give someone food they're going to be likely to talk to you and you can have that connection so I wanted to start us off with that because if there's one thing that unites all of us it's food and just to eat
1: <laughs> yes absolutely The one of the big movements behind the Boston bi-women's group back in the 80s and early 90s was the the Sunday brunch And it was just a way to get people together around food with no topic, no agenda. And it ended up being the the staging for one of the most vibrant bisexual groups in in our history. So food has always been a key part. Well, also,
0: there's also other quote unquote non-digital actions like in real life meet spaces, you know, like just being open to talking to your neighbors or when you're able to, when it's safe, you know, go to those local council meetings or you know find ways to forge alliances with well we want to build a safer group what does this objective who all does it accom um, who all the, who all is affected by it and then how do we reach out to them so we can start brainstorming ways to fix it or make a safer space for it
1: absolutely it, um Because politics is small, and this is where my head is this morning. We have a, in my small town, we are being taken over by these free staters. And so they're basically trying to um, dismantle the government. Like, I think there was a lot of them at the Capitol when things went down. So, because of that, it's hard to have a safe space where people feel like they're going to be able to talk and unite without there being spies who are going to go back. And then suddenly they're getting, um, you know, turds on their front steps or they're getting email threats to their family so people are really really scared to come together right now so um although we want to be in person we're also trying to figure out how to have a cyber safe space to build up that comfort level so people Mm -hmm. feel like they can get together safely it's a scary time to reach out you know it's a scary time to join a group right now when you don't know all the players but we we gotta do that if we don't connect the bad guys win
0: If we don't connect, then we're leaving the door open for people to fall down the radicalization rabbit hole. Exactly. Exactly. There has to be an alternative for people to turn to. And also we did want to uh, kind of pick your brain because you have had ample experience with this of when we are bringing in new people, everybody is on like a different journey and a different, or I should say a different place in their journey of how educated you are about certain topics. And I think right now everything is just so emotionally charged that it's very easy to, if somebody messes up, it's we want to throw the baby
1: out with the bathwater. Absolutely. In fact, uh, it is, I mean, everything's super hypercharged right now, but this is not new, especially in the bi community. Um, the, The organizers of the bi community have always been, have always been the middle to upper income college ed- educated or in college people so they're they're quote-unquote woke right so they know the right terminology and the the problem with um when you're very academic like that is it's really easy to judge people who are coming from different spaces and mm-hmm. we have always had people who are blue-collar bisexuals or or southern bisexuals or, or republican bisexuals or whatever where it's not even that they're not on uh, that they're uneducated is that their life experience is different than yours and that doesn't mean it's less or wrong and so one of the things we have to facilitate is set the tone that we can talk connect and learn from each other and not immediately shut somebody down because they used an unpolitically correct um whatever name label um, pronoun Um, Or they don't know a specific buzzword of the day, right? So it used to be, you know, it was pansexual, it was omnisexual. There's always a new way because we're attempting to be more inclusive in our language. But if you force that inclusivity, you alienate people who don't have that particular perspective. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a way, to, you know,
0: it's finding that way, I think, to develop those skills of being able to educate and have those conversations without being just openly hostile or like you said condescending about it right well you still you know you maintain those boundaries of what is and isn't isn't acceptable like you said you could say a term that's not necessarily politically correct but it doesn't mean that you can just walk
1: waltz in here and say the n-word of course of course that's that's very important um i think you can you can ask people about sort of where they're at and then sort of try to get to the truth behind their language that's again not saying n-word or f-word or those really charged words that everybody knows are no no toxic right (laughs) yeah but you know uh, i was telling taylor yesterday i was i was putting a cute little thing on facebook because i'm trying to be not negative because right now at least in my town everything is everybody's so charged up and ready to jump down people's throats. So so my husband has decided to go back to school and finish his music education degree after 20 years. So everybody in my community, my family, my friends, everybody who knows me knows we were poly for years, we've been monogamous for 10 years, we've been raising a kid that we adopted from foster care. We have this whole Thing. And he's a he's a para right now. So he's working with special ed kids. That's our space. So I made a silly reference that I'm dating a a, a college man now. Don't tell my husband. Well, because I posted that on Facebook, that was monogamous centric. I'm being offensive to the polyamorous people. Well, first of all, everybody, including my family, knows I've been poly that's not the point that that it's where we're at right now that we almost broke up over being poly that it was a funny thing for the people who know me right and so Mm -hmm. I'm I'm old and I'm scarred and I don't care but that same judgment could take somebody who said something funny the second they walk into a room and make them walk away and make them never come back so as facilitators we have to make sure that people feel included heard and welcome uh Taylor just did a Heck yes. I, can I say that? A yeah. really, really good interview with Lonnie Kamanu. She's my mentor. She's my idol. I, I think of her daily when I'm trying to facil- facilitate because she was, she was my model on how you do that. And if you listen to that interview, both she and Taylor were coming from very different places. They stopped. They listened. They interacted and they connected. And mm-hmm. that's what you want in a group right? You don't want, you don't want somebody coming in feeling they have to like bow down to you to be accepted. And and as a facilitator, you can see when it's starting to go to a danger zone and try to sort of pull it back.
0: I also think like right now, because it's so charged, there's a lot of people, especially minority groups that they're coming in and there's trauma behind some of those knee jerk reactions as well.
1: Absolutely. And that's important, right, too. So if they have a knee jerk reaction, you don't condemn them. You just try to bridge the gap Mm -hmm. and and give them that safe space so that they can talk out their trauma. It's a good point.
0: So, like, from you, like, in your experience over the years of doing this, like, what are some of the techniques that you specifically, or phrases that you specifically have found helpful in those situations?
1: Um, When I'm talking to the new person or when I'm, um trying to deal with the clash
0: both really yeah.
1: so usually They're both whenever, important so one of the things again I learned from Lonnie is whenever I see a new person I go up I introduce them I try to find something that connects us and to get them into their comfort zone so they can talk about things that value that are of value to them. Now, sometimes people are really shy, and they just really don't want to talk, and you can sort of get that sense. So then I'll just talk. I'll talk about my dogs or my cats or whatever and see what sort of triggers with them, because once you can break break down that a little wall, then you get them open enough to, to connect. Then I'll try to bring in other people so that they're not just talking to me. Then as you get through those sort of conflicts, we'll talk about um, if I see, you know, well, you didn't tell me what your pronoun is, and the person looks like they got a glazed-over eyes. Like, um, I have no idea what you're talking about. Then I'll try to divert the conversation into a space where we can talk about why that's important to people, but not, but get the attention away from the person who feels put on the spot because they don't understand what we're talking about.
2: Hmm. I was just say I think I really think it's a good point, you know, not trying to put someone on the spot, especially in a group setting, because if someone's put on the spot and they have everyone looking at them, That's it's going to all become defensive because it's like social rejection. Public social a, rejection. <laughs> yeah, it's like just, it makes people defensive and it makes them afraid of getting hurt. So they're going to like lash out. So I really much agree that people shouldn't be put on the spot for not knowing things.
1: I think in, particularly in, in bi activism, because I've done a whole bunch of different community organizing, but specifically in the bi community, a lot of people who reach out to our community have been rejected by other communities. So they already have a little bit of a wall up, right? Either the straight communities rejected them, the, the gay re- communities rejected them, and they're looking for their people. So when you finally find your people, the first thing you want to feel is like a big old hug. Maybe not a physical hug, especially with COVID, but you want to feel embraced and accepted for who you are. Then we can get to educating, then we can get to activism, but you need to let them know that they're welcome.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Very much goes into the idea of Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Exactly, exactly, and I'm going to stop not nodding because that doesn't do good radio, but yes, exactly.
0: Taylor, do you want to explain that just a little bit in case some of our listeners aren't familiar?
2: Thank you. So Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs was named after the psychologists who basically designed this pyramid, and it- Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs argues that you have to have certain needs met before you can advance the next stage of development. So, for example, as a writer, I need to make sure that I have the essentials of, like, housing, food, general safety before I can really get creative. Because you need to have your body, like, your physical being, safe and secured and taken care of before you can, like, access higher, like... And, like, it's not, like if you don't eat um, enough food and one day you won't be able to write kind of thing. But it's this idea that humans can self-actualize and reach their full potential when they have their basic needs met. And it applies pretty much to any area of human life, whether it's like creativity, intellectual growth, social engagement, we just need to be secure first. And that is again why it's important to, you know, why we need to make sure sh- Sure.
0: we have and these communities
2: yeah like, because these places
0: to connect
2: because social engagement social connections are vital to human health like we are a social animal species we need a, a pack
0: obviously as 2020 showed us <laughs> okay, but 2020
2: has showed us so many things about mental health it's mind-boggling But again, it's giving
0: us this opportunity to kind of do a reset for, yes, we've lost either in 2020, we lost these spaces or we've been having this creep of spaces shutting down. Like I know we've talked about in previous episodes, like there would be bars that were just specifically for women loving women or little leagues or whatever that have. Been shutting down over the years. So we were already seeing that creep of social spaces shutting down. And I'm going to get here on my big word high horse. We also saw this capitalism creep of okay. what remaining spaces we had left were becoming more and more and more monetized, of how, you know, like cons. It wasn't mm-hmm. so much about let's meet up with my people anymore. It's I'm going right. to meet up and I'm going to go to this panel and this panel and meet this person and pay for this autograph and pay for this merchandise and pay for this and this and this. It's it's all been like so co-opted to this capitalism squeeze of how much money can we get out of people.
2: Right. And that then just feeds further into the alienation and being alone because if there's one ma- major feature of capitalism, it's that it comes in, disrupts community organizing community connection and makes it so you're atomized into a consumer and it's so exhausting
1: yeah and I think a part of the, the capitalization of America is we've lost the independent bookstores the independent cafes who would give us free space to just sit and talk and connect right and you're not going to get that maybe at a Starbucks or a, a Barnes and Nobles
0: or the independent like music halls it used to be <laughs> and this was something I was talking to Eli about uh, just earlier this week was you don't see bands getting together just to have fun and play cheap shows for local scene people to go do anymore. It's all about, it's capitalized of like, Oh, I have to, I have to, I can't do this for fun. I have to do this in a way that makes a profit.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm smiling. Cause, cause my husband's a musician, so I have it in my garage, right? So he won't come over here for music, but that's not necessarily open to Taylor because, you know, she doesn't know us. So, but it's different. You're right. It's it's harder to just go out there and, and
0: connect. But I think it's also something to be mindful of. You know, when we do build back, it's we need to have a variety of these spaces for meetups, like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons live play groups, or if that's not your thing, then a reading group or, you know, obviously once COVID allows us to, this is the big caveat here. So please, we're not saying rush out right now but you know when we're safely allowed to we need to have this variety of it can't all just be like hyper sexualized alcohol fueled capitalistic club space and i that if that's your thing if that's your thing i'm not trying to be judgmental but i'm trying to say like that does not fit everybody and that can't be like we can't just fix this by having nightclubs
1: right you know, as, as early, as late as the early 2000s, the, the Manchester, New Hampshire buy group was in my house and I would have an open uh, note that said anybody who wants to can come to my house. That was crazy. I, I can't believe I did it, but I did. Um, I don't know that I would do it today, which means then you have to have a public space, but mm-hmm. nothing ever happened. So maybe I'm just getting fearful in my old age, but um, you you. you you don't necessarily need a you don't necessarily need a, a, a room at a cafe to get together or a bar right you can in the warmer weather we were talking about softball or whatever you can mm-hmm. do something at a park it's just rethinking what we think of with groups
2: libraries are also a great place for meeting up with people when it's safe um like the library that's like a 30-minute walk from my house is so nice because I live in a county that actually like puts its taxes to good use and like libraries are a place that are you don't have to pay to anything to use them they have facilities you have reading material if you're bored and if you can get a room you can quietly talk with people bond and I think one of the key things with like building community spaces and building community connections is knowing that all this is like a long con and it's you can start planning for it now. Like, I think, like, the way I look at it is what you can do is, like, we're probably not going to be out from under this until 2022. So that gives everyone about a year or so to, you know, start making lists of people they know that they have things in common with, places that they'd want to visit, like cafes, bookstores, museums, whatever, clubs, and just start, like, making plans, giving – starting group chats with people and maybe start when it's safe, do like public meetups, get to know people and then make it more personal and more personal settings when you know people well. And so basically just really just plan and seed, you know, like with small conversations, small connections, you know, invest, like with anything, social connections, you have to invest in it to like, Mm Even though there's a joke in the queer community that, you know, queer people meet and then they speed run through all the friendship stages because we do, I do think there's a benefit in (laughs) taking things slow and really investing in just hanging out with people in a public setting, getting to know them, figuring out who you click best with. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. When, um, at the beginning of last year, I was thinking of. When I was thinking like, oh, I'll get a job in 2020, like a full-time job so I can like split an apartment with a friend of mine. I was like, we're going to have an apartment, my friend, and I'm going to get into baking. And since I don't want to eat all my baked goods because I couldn't eat it all, I'm going to use it as an opportunity to meet people and hang out with neighbors by offering them baked goods. That didn't <laughs> happen, of course, with COVID, but it's still an idea I have for the future. You know, you want to learn how to bake cookies well. Your neighbors will probably like cookies too. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, I think I think you have the the key point there, right? We know we've got a, a good year before we're going to be doing a lot of uh, meetups with with people that we don't know, so it's a good time to start, you know, a small subject Facebook group or your social media of your generation, and just start having get people say, you know, I think I'm going to want to do, I'm going to be looking for people to play Dungeons and Dragons with you know, a year from now, or Trivia Pursuit. Like, we're trying to form a group uh, that's bridging the gap between um, the, the centrists in my town, bring the Republicans and the Democrats together to unite and sort of un-Trumpify our town. That's a that's a ner- nervous thing for people to do, to come together and not be, be say- sure that the crazy people aren't gonna come in and derail it. So we're using the the social media to slowly build that community to make people feel safe so then when we get together in person that they'll at least know enough people so that they'll feel safe. And so you can do that with any group or any topic that you want to start with. We have that definitely fine.
0: I think the key here is also you have to if we want this to happen, like people have to be willing to make that first step. Right. Somebody has to make that first step to put yourself out there.
1: Yes. Yes. And, and it's scary. Believe me. Done it. I just did it today. Um, I've done it for many, many years. But um, you know what? There were meetings that I called public said, hey, Any, anybody who wants to come come and nobody showed up. I've actually had that experience, but I didn't die. It's OK. <laughs> right. And then that helped me learn about how I can better spread the message and connect with people. I've had times where one person showed up and we had a great conversation. It wasn't a group, but it gave me that opportunity to meet that one more person and start to slowly build up an organization.
0: Well, I think the other thing to be mindful of, and this is, you know, moving on when you start to get that group of groups are going to be fluctuating. And I think sometimes if you're not used to being like running these groups, it'll be like, Oh, I have this group and it's this set group and it's gonna be us and we're gonna be a merry band, Lord of the Rings for all time. And that 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 I'm sorry, that doesn't happen.
1: Never.
0: <laughs> like you're gonna have some meetings or meetups, you may have buku amount of people, and then maybe you don't have any, or maybe you like Wendy said, you have one and then Maybe some people move away or some people just decide it's not for them. Like you have to be. Or some people date and then they break up and then that too.
1: Yeah. Yep. It happens.
0: Or I like to call it, it's the shitting where you eat problem. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it's just, you have to be adaptable and there's always going to be some level of flux that you need to be able to be comfortable with.
1: Absolutely. And you have to not take it personally. Mm -hmm. stuff happens it does help if you have like one person just not even a person in the group but somebody you can talk to and just go I can't believe I did this and nobody showed up or I tried to do this thing and I thought it was going to be great we're going to do potluck and everybody showed up with meatloaf like even the vegetarian (laughs) if you have somebody that you can sort of right you have somebody who you can you know, vent to just so that, um, you don't hold that all inside. That's really important to avoid, mm-hmm. you know, burning out.
0: Speaking of burnout, um, what are some of the common causes that you have found over the years that you would want, you know, somebody who's new to building a community to be on the lookout for?
1: Yeah. Great question. I am the queen of burnout. I have burnt out in dog rescue and in queer activism right now. It feels like school board. So the big things are, um, Make sure you take time for yourselves. There's always going to be an urgent thing that has to happen right now, and you're the only one who can solve it, and, oh, my God, if you don't do this today, I'm going to die. There's always going to be that, and you have to make sure that you just stop and go, you know what, if I don't keep myself healthy, I don't keep myself whole, to Taylor's point about our, our layers of needs, then the whole thing's going to fall apart, and you won't be able to help anybody. So take care of yourself. Delegate. You know, I know we all think we're the best at doing whatever, but there's people who will do it even if it's less perfectly and that frees you up to do other things. And then just remember that it's a marathon, not a race.
0: It might not even be that it's less perfectly. It's just not how you would. Do yes, it. Excellent I think point. that's something to yep. keep in yep. mind. It's like uh, with Jeremiah, sometimes I'm like, hey, can you do this? And he'll do it. And I have to bite my tongue because he's not doing it the way I would do it, but it's still right. getting done.
1: Right, right. Absolutely. That's a really important
0: message. Or I'll ask Taylor to do something and it may be that Taylor does something completely different than how I would do it, but the way Taylor does it is better than I would do it and I have to, you know, there's those moments where you have to kind of swallow your ego a little bit because somebody comes in and it's like, oh, I was going to write half a page and you wrote a 10,000 word thesis. And <laughs> Okay, I'm going to swallow my pride. And then I'm going to realize that this person is actually better suited to do this particular thing that I am. And I need to let that go. Yep. Thank you. But she does do that, just to be clear. <laughs> I'm like, here's three links for an outline. Taylor comes back. Here's a five-page outline right. for you complete with resource list.
1: And she's so amazingly incredible freakishly incredible at resource and references and and research that she comes up with these things that she was showing me things that I didn't even remember writing I mean she's really really good so knowing that you have people that's a really important point too when you have people in your group who can do things if you can marry your needs to their skill sets then
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know you can go trust them and they're going to do a great job and you don't have to worry about it and
0: that frees you up to do other aspects that maybe right. you're best suited towards. Right. So, it, it delegation, delegation, and like you said, marrying skill sets to tasks, I think, is a really good way to avoid that. I am an island unto myself, and I am an island of information, and only I know when everything is. So, if
1: I go down, then the entire group is screwed. Right. Right. The other thing that comes up with um, community organizing is, um... In the bi community, I think probably in a lot of communities, people have wounds, people have hurt, probably everybody has hurt, right? Um, And so when you foster a space that makes them safe to be open in themselves, that's your goal, right? You want them to be fully integrated, but um, they may also, you may be the one person they can talk to about everything that's, every ill that's been in their life this is where I burn out. This is my particular Mm -hmm. problem is like, I will listen. I'll be there. I'll try to solve everybody's problems and without setting boundaries. So you kind of have to like, you can empathize, you can hear, and then you have to be able to let them deal with their stuff and you can't take all that on.
0: And I think it's also okay to have boundaries of, you know, I, I will be here for certain people because I can I know I have the emotional capacity to help certain people, but be able to put that boundary up with like, like say I could talk to Taylor about certain things, but I can't handle Wendy talking to me about certain things because that's not something I have the capacity to deal with or vice versa. And just being able to say, you know, I, I really appreciate that you can feel like you can talk to me, you know, we'll find some resources for you. I'm, right now not in a good headspace myself and I'm dealing with this too so you know maybe we can find this together but it's being able to have those boundaries of self of like I can't take this on right now right
2: absolutely um something that sometimes when I'm talking to a friend and they're like hey da 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 and I may not be like like for example I'm a morning person so when it to a certain time at night I just can't emotionally engage so something I've learned is I want to, you know, be a good friend and help you. And I can't be the best friend I can be right now um, and give you the full emotional support you need. So maybe can we talk at another time? And if you can frame it that way, it will make it, it'll make it easier to set boundaries because it's like, I'm doing this for both myself and for you. Cause it's like, I want to give you my 100% and I can't do that right now.
0: And I think Taylor, you also make a really good point about like, when you say you're a morning person, like Mm -hmm. I'm a morning person too. We both talked about this, like Taylor can shoot me something at like 6 AM and I'm already up and like responding to it, but finding out what everybody's schedules are and being adaptable to those, because some people like they work on the weekends or they work of an evening or, you know. I'm with Taylor after about eight 30 at night, my brain just starts going like, okay, it's time to start shutting down. We're going into sleep mode. So having 9 a.m. Or 9 p.m. Or 11 p.m. Or later night things, those just like,
2: I'm probably not going to want to go to that.
1: Yep. Me too. I'm with you.
2: And this, can also go back to delegating because it's like, you can then max maximize people's like times. So for example, when I was studying abroad, I was the only morning person in my friend group which meant I made sure we all got to bed at a good time the night before you went on a a mini trip and I made sure everyone then was getting up at a decent time Mm -hmm. like and so it's kind of like we can all just you know there's like an evolutionary benefit to having people with different sleep schedules and you just can adapt that to modern life you know if you're going to go out clubbing make sure the night owl is the one who is leading in the group because they'll be the most awake by the end of the excursion, for example.
0: Yep. I mean, I'm not going to go clubbing period for about five different reasons, but <laughs> that's the same thing. You have somebody in the group and you don't have to do every single activity. And I think that's mm-hmm. another important point. Like you don't have to go to every single meetup. Right. Cause some of those things are not going to be in your wheelhouse. I would not go clubbing. Like I said, I have several reasons for why I should not be clubbing, but that's okay, because if you have other people delegated and able to do things, then you don't have to be present at everything.
1: Right. In fact, everybody will have a good time if, it, if the people that go are all the people that are excited about the same thing. Right.
0: right. It's like I could be – say when it's safe, I could be like, hey – any fragrance people in LA, I love fragrances. Any fragrance people in LA, let's go meet up at one of the lucky scent shops and just kind of like hang out and, you know, maybe go see another perfume shop or something. That's great for everybody who likes fragrance. I would not be expecting people who don't give a flying rip about it to be showing up and all bright eyed, bushy tailed, like, yay, I'm so
1: happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, and you really don't want somebody who hates scent to go because the whole time they're kicking and screaming and like, this is stupid. And you guys yeah, are- you
0: you don't want people who don't want to be there dragging that event down. So you right. want to have events that match up with people's interests.
2: All this discussion about delegating and like tailoring one's interests and activities to whatever, it really reminds me of this concept. This is really like internet, like viral comic from a French student that was translated to English and it's about the mental load which is this concept in um, feminism how housewives you know women they not only do all the housework they do all the mental work required to keep a household running like remembering to grocery shop remembering to like when are the baby's appointments who what doctor to call when are the shots what's the shot schedule and I think that really factors into what we're talking about is that you can have one person being the manager of a group and also then being like the guide into whatever event they're doing, like if you're doing four different events. And so I think that's important again to why I have like very clear conversations and be willing, be able to be vulnerable with yourself and whether this would be like, hey, I can't do this thing. I'm overworked or even if I'm not overworked, I don't feel like I could give it my best and I think that, but I think you can give your best for this thing.
1: That's, that's or even really
2: admitting I'm not comfortable with it. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, definitely. I think it, so. I'm a planner. That's what I. That's what I do. I do in my work, in software, and in people. So my my core group, my core family of choice is seven people, and so I will plan a trip to England or to Italy. We're going to do Joshua tree this year. And I go nuts with all the niggly little details of we're going to be here at this time. And that time I've calmed it down a lot. But the problem that happens when you're the planner and the coordinator and the one who's doing everything, your head is in, Oh, we're supposed to be here now. We got to do this now. And you're not present and you're not enjoying it. Mm -hmm. And if you do that and you don't catch yourself and check yourself and delegate some of that, and you don't, um, bring your your authentic self into the time and enjoy it, one, you're going to get resentful, and two, you're not actually connecting to those people, which is the purpose of being there. It's not the fact that we're going to hit this particular museum at this particular time, and we're going to go to a giant Star Wars uh, review In London, like that doesn't matter. What matters is connecting with people. And so if you're so busy planning, 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 you don't actually get to enjoy why you're doing it in the first place. And I think part of that is also giving like time and space
2: for like any event or trip or whatnot to have room for surprise and make sure the schedule is flexible enough so you can have time to do an excursion or like, oh, that building with that like movie looks really interesting. Let's walk in and see what's going on. Because Mm -hmm. I think some of the most genuine, most revealing moments in human connection is when you're caught off guard and when you're just following what looks interesting. Absolutely. Well,
0: let's talk about something that can also be painful is knowing when to either step aside or step down. Like for me, like I've been doing Ladies First since I was, actually I started Ladies First. I've, I've been doing Ladies First since 2016. And I've always just been like, this is my thing. There's never, up until... Recently, there would never been an episode that I was not masterminding. I was not editing. I was not spearheading the recording of. Like, this was just something I did. And then uh, I just happened to be like, Taylor, do you want to come in on an episode? And I was like, oh, Taylor, Taylor's pretty good at some of this stuff. And then it turned into, like, I let a little bit of the control go, and Taylor has done some episodes of ladies first on her own now that she's coordinated she's scheduled she's recorded and you know like she'll still kick me the audio because i got the editing software <laughs> but you know like taylor's just stepped up i'm like yeah i can handle this it's totally okay you don't have to, like unclench Corey. it's okay i've got it you know and being able to be like okay i i could step back and kind of let my baby grow in another direction because Taylor has good ideas and she knows what she's doing and I don't have to have everything. And maybe it's good that she has new ideas. Maybe I was getting stagnant in certain
1: areas. Yeah, that, that's um really wise. So it's, so it's a few things, right? So it's being able to plan an exit when you need to go there rather than burning out and just throwing in the towel and just saying you guys figure it out right so that's mm-hmm. that's smart too part of delegating is to give you enough room to to breathe to, to figure out what you want to do next and how you can contribute if you want to contribute um so all that that thoughtfulness you're putting into although i have to say when you said i'm thinking about like i clenched up inside because i think this is an amazing podcast <laughs> it would be sad if you were completely gone but that said as someone who stepped away from several things you know you have to you have to take care of yourself. And you can even take a break and, and come back with a difference.
0: Well, I think the great thing about Taylor is like, I'm not planning to just be like, bye bye, I'm gone. But the fact that Taylor can handle this, like, Taylor's proven herself, it's like, obviously she can research, she can network, she can reach out to people. Like, a lot of the guests we've had recently, she's done all the legwork reaching out to you or Lonnie or whoever. Um, it's like, I was able to go form another project I wanted to do that if I wouldn't have unclenched so to speak and let Taylor have that room to grow and explore I couldn't have been doing something else mm-hmm. Absolutely. and it's not even saying I'm leaving ladies first because I'm sure Taylor's just like what are you doing you can't leave this at me <laughs> don't do this to me but the fact that you know Taylor is wildly competent and capable and she stepped up when I gave her enough room to run with it and she's like yeah I can do this this is something I'm capable of. It's something I can enjoy. And I think you have to be able to realize that in the groups you're building too.
1: Yep. And I think um, whenever you have a passion for whatever you do, I mean, the people that build up communities, build up, invent anything that's new, it's, you have a drive to do something to create something that's bigger than you. Right. And Mm -hmm. whenever you drag people forward and you make this all happen, at sometimes it feels like you have this big load that you're sort of dragging forward. And to just be able to sort of know that you can safely put down that load is, is just, um, it just keeps you sane. So to have those people around you, whether it's in a group or with, in Ladies First, like, like Taylor, so that you know that they can have it so that you don't, you aren't mired in anything forever. It just, that's, that's how you don't go nuts. So that's good.
0: Well, I think it's also realizing like sometimes you have your own limitations. You can only carry that group so far Mm -hmm. and you have to be aware of like, I've carried something up to this point. I don't have the life experience or the necessary viewpoint Mm -hmm. to get us to like point D and you have to, you know, check your ego and step back and let somebody else lead for a while.
1: And that's the big thing, right? You have to know that that's not a fault on you. That's not saying that you've failed in any way, shape, or form. It's that whatever you created has evolved into such a point that somebody else may have um, some skills or experiences that can keep, take it to the next spot.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, like you said, it's it's not a knock on you. And I think that's where it could be hard for some people. Because again, like, unfortunately, we have these things called egos. <laughs> And sometimes it's hard to let the baby go and especially if it's your baby, but it's a matter of like, you want this thing to grow. And right. sometimes that means you need to step aside and let other people help you grow, you know, cause nobody's up at the top of the mountain yet.
2: And Taylor, that, did I it, tear you off? <laughs> no, I was just like processing and thinking about that. And just like, for me, I felt comfortable stepping up because it's like that concept of mentorship and- you know someone who has more experience with someone with something being in open source you know to talk to and ask questions and just the vulnerability of that and being like hey it basically being uh, a person that someone can talk to and ask questions mm-hmm. goes a long way for forming mentorship like relationships yeah and- you
0: can't just like throw them in the water not knowing how to swim and say go like that's right. a that's a big point to make you can't just take somebody and throw them at something and not make sure that you know they have the necessarily information or skills or feel comfortable talking to you about that because i feel like that's just setting somebody up to fail
1: right and then even after you hand off like um like Binet, like um near which was my my rescue we always had this concept of an advisory group so even if i step back even if Corey steps back We're still present and available if you have questions or you need that mentorship, because even when you're in that lead position, there's still, like I told you when you were talking about Lonnie, she's still my mentor. I still will learn from her 30 years after the fact because she was there before me, right? And so I think part of letting the new people not fail is having them have that that safety net of people who have been where they are.
0: Mm -hmm. Sorry, Taylor. I thought that was an important point I wanted to make really quick.
1: No, you're fine. That's, like, really sweet,
2: and I'm kind of just, like, oh, positive commentary, <laughs> taking that in. Um, yeah, it's just, it's one of the great examples of, like, community connections and, like, that intergenerational mentorship conversation. Like, I was just reading an article today on how, like, back in the 70s, there's a huge movement from the gay rights to, like, have children, civil rights, and how that was rooted in, you know, these, like, found gay families were like you have younger queer people who moved to a city and they had no biological family support but they found support with older queer people and just how you know it's part of our heritage whether as women or as queer people to take these lost souls and help them figure out adulthood and getting to the next step of life and just staying sane as a human being like I think about um, all the female role models I've had, whether through the music I've listened to or the books I've read and how that has inspired me and how I connect with other people, you know, because we all need someone to, like, look up to and to guide us because we all need, a like, model. yeah, a model.
0: Yeah, and, like, just just like Lonnie was kind of like that model mentor for Wendy, Wendy has been a model mentor for... Lord knows how many people um, I wouldn't say I'm a model mentor because that's scary. But, you know, as Taylor keeps going on, she's going to be a model mentor for people as well. It's just Absolutely. it's a cycle and you grow into it. And then all of a sudden you're like, I have little munchkins. Yes. This is scary. And that's what am I doing? We,
1: that's how we build community. Right. I mean, you have to have you can have the peers and that support, but you really need to have that. Maybe not intergenerational, but you have to have the people who have been there before you. It's that, it's that chosen family. It's that tribe. It's that sense that we are bigger than ourselves mm-hmm. and that keeps us,
0: you know. And we all grow together somehow. Like there's absolutely. that
1: interlocking growth of like, even like,
0: I'm sure Wendy has learned things from Taylor and obviously Taylor has learned things from Wendy. It's a, it, we're all on our, like I said, nobody's at the top of the mountain.
1: Nope. Nope. You kidding? I still, like Taylor, I have so much to learn from. It's just, it's, I'm so glad we met. Same. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, I mean, and that's, you know, part of, like, why we wanted to start this kind of mini series with Ladies First of, like, let's make these safe spaces to have discussions about, you know, maybe it's, hey, I don't know a whole lot of genderqueer people, and I'm I don't know how to phrase things, or I don't know, like your pronouns are she and they, am I, am I supposed to default to they? Am I supposed to default to she? Like, we'll have people on there to ask those questions, but it's the same thing with like community building of like, how can we have constructive conversations with people who know these answers and are willing to come on and share their wisdom or their lived experience so the rest of us can grow?
1: Right, right, and I think, you know, to the you know keep pushing back to the the, the Lani interview because it was so amazing. I think what you get in in Ladies First, which is so amazing, is it's not just you know someone coming down from on high and saying back in the day this is how we did this and this is how you need to do it, but I. I have no idea how to TikTok, right i have no idea how to i don't know how to community organize in 2020 but i can get that from taylor and so by us coming together we can both learn from each other and and, and grow and mm-hmm. that's what so that's one of the reasons i really love this podcast
0: well again we thank you for the fact that you keep agreeing to come on <laughs> Um, I mean, because you are, you are giving your time and your energy and your, you know, emotional energy to come on and have these conversations with us as well as, you know, as our, our other guests. And as our, like when Taylor and I, or whoever I'm talking to, like we, we put our emotional energy into this and we know like, there's going to be some things we talk about that people who listen to don't like. I did an episode about a TV show and I had an opinion that people on Twitter did not like. And it's just. You know it's gonna happen, but mm-hmm. we think it's important enough to keep doing it. And I'm honestly just like so past the point of giving a flying fuck about it. That-
1: yep, yep. <laughs> I was to say that's the one point I wanted to say about about um, modeling in a in a community organizing, and it's also what you do in this podcast. There's so much fear around. I'm not the right kind of whatever. If I if I raise my voice and it's the wrong voice, people are gonna be mad at me. Mm-hmm. Fuck them. Fuck them. Like like. I've been married to a man for 20 years. Does that make me not a good buy? I spent so many years being ashamed of that. Or maybe I'm not out enough. Not me now. But, you know, there's people that come to our community who say, well, I don't really want to because I haven't done this or that or that. And they they squelch their own voice because they don't think they're good enough. Fuck that. If you just walk out fully present and this is, and I, I, okay, this is going to make me sound popular. I like David Tennant in Doctor Who and that's not a popular thing but that's that's me that's my dorky in the conservative world and I will say it and I will own it and I will love it and then we can have a discussion and you can tell who me doesn't don't... like
0: David Tennant and Doctor Who
1: uh, There's some things about about him not saying the most politically correct or what whatever I you think know? I'm just
0: so used to like every all the internet lords who just don't like that there's a woman as Doctor Who right now and I'm like mm-hmm. who doesn't like David Tennant <laughs> Sorry, we, we went off right, on a complete right. tangent there.
1: <laughs> I was just like, who doesn't like David Tennant? <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? You can make an mm-hmm. opinion on anything and there's going to be and there's gonna be people that are gonna come at you. So either you stand up proud and you own who the heck you are and who you what you think and and know that there's gonna be the trolls out there who are just looking for a fight. But there's gonna be a whole bunch of people. They might not even be people who reach out to you or talk to you, but there's a whole bunch of people going, Fuck yeah, Corey like has her stuff together. Mm-hmm. Right, and 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 you're gonna matter, and, and then those people have are that much more empowered to speak. So just even when you you know you get to community community groups, don't be like, yeah, I haven't really told my grandma, or I really haven't had sex with more than one gender, so or I'm a virgin or I'm asexual, so I really shouldn't be here. Just own whoever you are, and you're awesome. And just if you can model that, that makes other people feel more comfortable in their own skin.
0: I think that's an absolutely perfect note to end on.
1: Fuck them all and
0: own yourself. (laughs) Uh, Wendy, thank you again for joining us. Um, Taylor, because she is amazing at resourcing, like literally everything. Uh, We will have some resources and links when this episode goes up. If you check uh, the article on our site, we will have a lot of other links listed there as well that you could find some information from uh, additionally from this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Like I said, we will have additional episodes with other guests. So we will try to be asking some questions that we know people have had. If you want to hop on our Fundamentals Discord, we have a link for that on the site. It'll be at the end of the article. And uh, you want to just say, hey, I've had a question about X and I don't feel comfortable or Google is giving me conflicting information. If you want to drop that, in the discord to Taylor and I, we will keep that in mind as well. Or if you want to be like, can Wendy please come back? We will uh, take that in mind and beg her as well. (laughs) Um,
1: I love you guys. Anytime, anytime.
0: Oh, we love having you on. Like I said, it is, it's a blast when we get to have you on and I feel like we all learn so much from having these conversations. Uh, Don't forget we have, other podcasts on the fandom network taylor do you want to try and list them off because i actually don't have your list pulled up
2: <laughs> you give me like two seconds i can bring up the list see see
0: she's amazing i don't know how yes. i like worked without her
2: <laughs> that's what i try to do in life make me necessary <laughs> to other people okay so all bark no dice our new um like dnd kind of podcast. Um, we have Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics, you know, if you want to talk all about movies. We have our weekly TTRPG on Fridays, Faith Forge Academy. Um, we have archived episodes of The Fandom Mentalist, Ladies First, of course. We have Sartorial Splendor, all for like scents, clothing. Like, if you want to talk, hear about lifestyle, check that out. We have That's Haram with Corey and Sahar, if you want to hear about Muslim representation on TV. And then we also have archived episodes of Unabashed Book Snobbery if you want to relive the salt pouring from the Game of Thrones days.
0: Thank you, Taylor. We also have another podcast coming up, and this was the other project that because Taylor has stepped up, I've been able to work on called Cannon Fodder. So that will be out at the end of the month too, and you can check the site for kind of sneak peeks on what that's going to be about, but it should be a lot of fun. Um we're pretty irreverent in that one. So again, I just, I really want to say thank you to Wendy for coming on. We love having you. Um, Any excuse we can find, we pretty much, it's like, can we get Wendy back on? (laughs) Taylor, can you ask Wendy to come back?
1: Anytime, anytime. I love you guys.
0: So until we see you guys next time, keep wearing your mask, get your vaccination, stay safe, and you know, just be there for each other.